0: Give Him a clap offering of praise. It's always amazed me. I was sharing with someone earlier this morning that I, I've been uh, invited to homes before and people watching different sporting events and different things. I've even been invited to ballparks. And, uh, it's amazing what you see at the ballparks and uh, you find out what, what someone will really shout about. And I've had some of the sweetest, nicest calmest church members just get crazy, undignified, loud at at sporting events. Remember this one lady that uh, she invited me to come see her son when I was a children's pastor and I had no idea, Sister Heather, she had it in her. She shouted, she scra- and I thought, boy, if I could just get that shout in the church, she'd scare you to death. I believe I believe we should be as excited or even more so. Do you know where your citizenship is today? Do you Do you even think about where you're going? I'm not talking about after church. Maybe you're going to your favorite restaurant or maybe you're going home or To live is Christ, but to die is gain. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of one of His saints. I can't imagine walking on streets of gold. I've tried. Walls of jasper and gates of pearl, crystal seas, and a mansion prepared just for me. And As I shared Wednesday, I've never seen the Lamb's Book of Life. I've never seen my name there, but I believe by faith it's there. Isn't it amazing that we can believe that our name is there, but we can't believe for anything else? Think about the thing that worries you. Think about the thing that's bothering you. And then think about your God. Is that your God? Or is Jehovah the one who never changes? If He's your God, you never have to worry. Over and over and over in the scripture, and I know they say that it's in there 360, actually more than 365 times, the word fear not. We worry about things, church, that when eternity happens, it's not going to matter. And God is calling us back to a true heart of repentance, a true heart of love and a true relationship with Him that is immovable, to make vows to Him that are unshakable. And I'm thankful for His mercy and grace in my life. How about you? Mike, are you thankful? Tell us what you're about to celebrate. Tell the church. Wrong mic. We'll get to you. Mike, stand up where they can hear you. Yes. Praising church. One thing that we have to understand, Mike, is let me ask you this, are you perfect? Okay, I just want to make sure because so many people think that when you get your life right, that you're just perfect. And churches, for some reason, have gave this false thing of when you get saved, you can't mess up. You're still in a flesh body. You still have desires and things that you have to deal with. Man, if everybody got saved, it was all good. We'd all be saved and we wouldn't have to come back to church. That's why he says, forsake not the gathering together of the saints. It's important for us to, to talk about testimonies like this. This couple right here, Mike and Sherry, they they came here on, I think your first time was a Wednesday night. You came. And uh, I didn't know them. I didn't know many people. I had just gotten here not long ago and after the, before them. And uh, she said, Don't get you well, what first time I met Sister Sherry, she said, don't get used to us. We're just passing through. That's encouraging for a pastor. I said, where are you going? She said, well, we, we travel. We, we go from campground to campground. And I think at that time you were headed to California. or something. headed to California. And uh, they called me the day or the week before they were going. They said, this is, our last, this is going to be our last service with you. And I'm going to be honest with you. Confession is good for the soul. I said, I'm not throwing them no party. I'm not even going to say anything about it. Honesty is good for the soul. I could be, I could act spiritual and act like, well, I didn't throw them a party because I knew I didn't know anything. I thought they were leaving. I didn't want to throw them a party. Honestly, I didn't want them to leave because they were a good asset to us. And I knew that. But they never left. I guess they're still headed to California. That's been two years ago. But then, let me tell you, Then Mike comes. You see how God works? God wants to do that in your life. He will. He'll set you free. There's no addiction greater than another. And God doesn't look at them any different. If it's keeping you from His best, He wants to deliver you. He came to set the captive free is what I read. There's so many, so many things, brother Mike. God's healed you twice. Came in one day and said, I you know, I'm gonna die. Got a got a aorta stopped up. He didn't say he was gonna die. It's just what the enemy was telling him. And I remember us praying. And it's not us praying, church, it's the God we serve. It has nothing to do with, we're just obeying God. This has nothing to do with us, it has nothing to do with you. If you prayed for Him, don't you dare try to take credit for His healing. God's the healer. But the next two or three days, the next thing I hear is, I went back to the doctor, and instead of doing surgery, God just grew another artery. Just, just, Just left that, but He just bypassed it. 100% block. A, you could have got insurance. You could have got some... You could have helped us out. He's still alive. Same thing happens. He gets a clot. Was it a clot or aneurysm? I told someone the other day, I'm going to stop praying for this guy. God's got His hand on you. God's not finished yet. You tell him. I don't know what you're talking about. These guys were underneath my wife's grandfather at the South Park Church of God, Birmingham, Alabama. Brother Edward Smith has gone to his reward in heaven. One of the greatest, most godly men I know. Promised the Lord if the Lord would give him 80, years. He would serve him to the best of his ability, but he asked for him to take him on his 80th. He died on right before his 81st birthday. God obeyed him. But this connection to our family started way before I was even thought of. And now I get the privilege of pastoring them. I got the privilege of pastoring Brother Edward Smith, one of the most awkward at times, scary, Because you've got a man that has sat there that has been all through the denomination and you've got to try to preach to this guy. I know how my preaching is. I don't need you to tell me. But I knew he knew how to preach. Let me tell you something. God wants you to know that you're important. And I feel like we just need to stop and understand that God wasn't done with you. 25 years of addiction, you said. God's not finished with you either. And you may say, well, I didn't get the... No, God is strategically placing people. Yeah. So, if this is your first time here, welcome to the river. We're glad that you're here. We're glad that you're here. But God makes no accident. God makes no accident. Everything is done according to His will, His timing. Even the opportunity to give. You didn't think I'd forget that, did you? Giving is part of our worship. Giving allows us to do the ministries that we have had the privilege of doing. And I want to share with you, our Brindley Mountain Ministry is already kicked up. It's wide open. It's going. The pantries are getting ready to be open. Wildcat Pantry here at Gunnersville that God has allowed us to be part of. We're going to be able to be at the very first one, the opening one, this next Thursday when we get back from the General Assembly. We've also had an open door. God has strategically put someone in Douglas, and now we have an open door in Douglas. God is working and giving us the opportunity to be His hands and feet, and that's all we are. You hear me? That's all we are. Our reward is not this earth, and it's not what you'll get on this earth. Our reward's already sealed in heaven. If you've invited and received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that's just your reward. That ought to be enough to serve Him for the rest of your life. But God's giving us opportunity. With opportunity, it takes funds, and you guys are so faithful. You've been giving last year. Last year alone, y'all gave $20,000 above normal givings for renovations. That's amazing. We have been able to renovate almost all of the areas except in here and uh, finishing up our nurseries, but God is getting us set up for the harvest. But God has sent you to help be part of that harvesting. One way you can be part of that is giving. Father, I ask you right now, as we prepare to receive our tithe, our offerings, Father, you lay on the heart of each person what they are to give. Tithe, Lord, is not an option. It is a command of you. You said to bring our tithe and offering to the storehouse. You said to try you in this, see that you would not open the windows of heaven, pour out upon them a blessing. That's not why we do it. We get to give, Father, because you have given us the ability. You've given us a job. You've given us the, the way to receive funds. And Father, for that, we are so grateful. But Father, as your people today, as they sow, and maybe you're challenging them to sow a little more. That's between you and them. But Father, you've always been faithful to me. Father, I have been, this has been instilled in me from 14 years old, and I've always given you what you have asked and I've given above and you've always blessed my life. I've never gone without because your word says my seed shall not be seen begging for bread. So fathers, you lay whatever it is upon each of their hearts. We give today as your word says cheerfully. Knowing God that Lord our blessings do not come from our work, but they come from you. We give you praise for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. One more time, give the Lord praise that you have something to give. Amen. Amen. So good to see you today. If I, if I look different, I shaved my beard off for the first time. Um, someone said, Pastor, I didn't recognize you. Uh, you lie, you die, and you fry if you don't repent. You know who I am. But uh, I had to shave it off. It was starting to get on my nerves. Last week, we talked about something that I feel is is very important, something that was instilled in me as a child and has been instilled in me all through ministry. Talking about vows or commitments is what we talk about them today, but vows is what they were called in the Old Testament. And I want to ask this question again, are vows still important? I believe vows are very important. And you all have made vows somewhere in your life. How many of you are married? You made a vow there. How many of you are a member of a local denomination, local church? How many of you are a member? Yeah, you've made a vow there. How many of you have a job? How many of you have a mortgage? How many of you have lights in your home? That's all part of commitment. It's part of a vow. Listen, if you don't pay those vows, if you don't meet the standards of those, they cut your lights off. It's always amazed me how people call or or, or come by and they'll say, I just don't know why my power's been cut off. And I say, well, did you pay your power? Well, I didn't have it. Well, that's why they cut. So that's an easy one to fix. It's an easy one to answer, maybe not an easy one to fix. I mean, the reason they do that is because you don't pay your bill. Maybe it's for whatever reason. But we see vows today, they're taken so lethargically. It's just like, oh yeah, whatever, I'll just get married. I've often asked people, why do you want to get married? You know what the number one reason that I get when people want to get married? Because I love them. You don't even know them. Now, I don't know about you, in today's world, they say, well, you should live with someone for about five years to get to know them. (laughs) That wouldn't work. Because here's what happens. If you do marriage according to the Scripture, you get married. After you get married, because there's things you're allowed to do after you get married that are not kosher before you get married, which is a different sermon, But you start to learn things about people that you didn't know about them. We talked about this a little bit last week. We 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 talked about you never smelt their breath before then. Morning breath. Y'all know that good morning sunshine? It's like, dear Lord, what happened what did you what happened? Did something die in your mouth or what's what is that? You start learning things about people and What you start doing then is, is this worth it? Do I want to stay in this? And You just realize that they're not maybe as neat as you. Now, let me go ahead and make a disclosure. I'm not talking about my marriage. Mine's perfect. I'm talking about other people. I'm talking about people that go to another church. I'm talking about their marriage right now. But you start learning that they're not as neat or maybe they're not punctual. You know what punctual is? They're on time. That's why my wife and I, we decided years ago, Now I'm talking about my marriage. I said, it would be better for us in our relationship, in our marriage, for me to drive to church and you to just come whenever you get ready. She's never late, but she's right on time. She's like God the Father. She can leave, and and, and I can't do that. I have to come here, I mean... Jonathan knows this, there's times he'll beat me here, but I'll get here sometimes. The first thing, I just want to go through the building, make sure every toilet's flush, make sure all the lights work, make sure the air's good, because I know how it is. If it's hot, you're going to go somewhere else. I check everything. I check, make sure there's t- hand, t- you say, do you do that? I do that every Sunday. Make sure there's tissue paper, that's important. I mean, if you're in there, and uh, you know, you don't check. And then you're going to be sitting in there until somebody comes in. You can miss all this good humor. So I have to make sure. We, it's just something that I do. And I was an associate pastor for six years, and, and so it's something that I do. I've always watched. the We have council, and they take care of this building. They go through and check units. They'll turn them off, and I'll come right behind them just to be sure. It's just part of it. We all have commitments. We have vows. We have commitments. But the Bible says in Romans 7 something so crazy about us. I want you to look at this on the screen. Romans seven eighteen. it says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. Isn't that good? Nothing good dwells in me. For to do, for to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. I want to do good, but I can't do it. You ever, you ever find yourself that way? It seemed like the closer you get to God, the worse your flesh starts acting up. Isn't it amazing that you might not have been dealing with this issue that you have? For instance, like speaker number one, and we're going to go ahead and call it this because we deal with this problem a lot around here. If speaker number one is a problem for you, speaker number one's not going to be an issue as long as you're over here away from God. But you start trying to get to God and all of a sudden this is going to be showing up everywhere. That is the thing that tempts you. And not everything that tempts you tempts me, the same vice versa. So we need to understand that the body, the body just cannot do right. That's why the body has to die. That's why the spirit man lives for eternal. He said, if you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap what? Corruption. But if you sow to the spirit, you will reap what? Everlasting life. That means that I cannot, if I'm sowing to the spirit, I will not reap Everlasting life here. Everlasting life is after death. So that means even up until your deathbed, and I see this on many deathbeds, people are begging and pleading, God, just please forgive me. And I'm thinking, what in the wrong? You've been a Christian all your life, I thought. And you have, but there's something about the reality of the finality. Death. And we think we're never going to die. We just think we're going to live forever until we have a problem. Then we start understanding this, for I know that in me, that in my flesh, nothing good dwells. So Romans is telling us this, and, and we, we talk about commitments, and we talk about all this stuff, and, and, and one of the biggest things that churches deal with today is I just can't get anybody to commit to anything. That's not a new problem. I don't know why pastors start having spaz attacks over that. That's not a new problem. As long as you got people involved, there's going to be those issues. But you just work through them, Amen. So commitments are important. We, we, we read over the wedding vows. And <laughs> richer are for poor. Sickness are in health. I ain't going to push them around in a wheelchair. They don't have to get them something else. I'm going, I'm going to mama's house. You don't get that option when you make a vow before God and before a person. That's not an option. There's two ways out of marriage. You want to know them? Death, adultery. Spiritually, there's a lot of other ways. Shouldn't laugh at that. But we have found, loop. we try to find a loophole in everything and we think that because the world allows it that God's going to be acceptive of that also. So we make vows and most of you, I said most of you made New Year's resolutions and we've all dropped those, we know. Vow number one, I want you to understand. And before we do that, let me go back to another scripture real quick. Let's look at Matthew 5, verse 33. Matthew chapter 5, verse 33. He forbids, Jesus forbids oath here. Here's the reason why. He says, again, you have heard that it is said that those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oath to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is His footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be, and your no be, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. If you say, I'm going to do something, and you fall against that, that is that is from the evil one. Well, that stinks to know that, don't it? We must keep our commitments, especially when we are committing to do something for God. The reason that God does not give you any more is because He's not been able... Oh, I feel this... You, God has not been able to trust you with what He's already given. You see, we, we think that we can just jump up here and be on a platform, but we can't clean toilets. We can't teach a class. We can't do all these other things that God is testing and just seeing what you're going to do. See if you're going to be faithful in it, and then we get frustrated. You ever get frustrated in ministry? You ever get frustrated in ministry? I do. I do. I get frustrated. There are times that, that I see things and I think, Really? You couldn't do that, really? Oh, pastor. I've had people say this to me. Oh, pastor. God. They say it like gone. God has called me. and God has told me to do this. And and they get that face like like they've had this, this audible visitation. My mom used to call them unctions. Just having unctions. It'll pass. It's kind of like other things in your life that'll make your face do weird things. <laughs> You're there with me, Jermaine? You can have unctions, you can have things in your body, and, and 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 it makes you think you want to do something, but then after it's over, it's like whoo. I don't want to do that anymore. We we must understand that, that if we can't be faithful in the small things, He can never make you ruler over many things. We must keep our commitments. Commitments start at home. They do not start in the church. They start at home. The Bible says a man that cannot rule his own home is not worthy to serve or to rule in the church. So let your yes be what? And your no be So why do we break these vows so easily? Well, it's because it's our nature to be unfaithful. We have a sin nature. And every son of Adam has it. Uh, It's been part of our heritage and it propels us to break promises. When we break a promise, we don't feel good about it. We feel terrible about it. Most of us allow it to keep us away from where we should be. We must understand that vows are important. The number one vow that you and I must make is the vow to make my home His home. I'm not talking about just your house where you live. I'm talking about this body. This is where God chose for you to live. God chose Heather to live there. God chose Steve to live there. God chose Cher. You're living in there and you say, well, I just wish it was taller. Well, you can wish all all day long. It's not going to happen. That's what you've been given. Work with what you got and deal with it. Paint it up shoot it up, Botox it up, put some growth stuff on it and see what happens. But this is what it is. And this is the best it's ever going to be. Everything else starts going back to the ground at this age. If you want to know what I want for Christmas, there's two things. I want a couple of shots of Botox some liposuction (laughs) you see people fighting the the effects of this body we try to keep this body alive but this body the bible says it is appointed unto man wants to die you look at your neighbor and say you're going to die because you're never going to die but we try to fix it I look at these celebrities and I think they all look the same you can tell they got the same doctor They look like the joker. And they even joke about it, but at least they look young. I looked at a picture the other day of Kenny Rogers. I thought, man, he looks better than I do. He's got to be a hundred years old by now. You you think of what we try to do to keep this. Now listen, it doesn't matter how well it looks as a corpse. What matters is, are you going to keep your corpse commitment to Christ, the commitment of why God put you here. God put you here for such a time as this and I hear His words again ringing in my spirit. We must take advantage of this moment and we must be doing the Father's business. Listen, you may say I don't have time. You got nothing but time. You need to trust God with all your heart, love Him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and He will open the doors of ministry for you. But you've got to make this home. His home. And it's 24-7. You can't come in here and shout it up and live like a crazy person outside the church. Well, you can. just ruins your testimony. So we talked a little bit about that. And we also talked about marrying people that are crazy. We didn't quite talk about it that way. But I said you can't marry someone, establish a home with that person, and think that your faith is not going to be touched by it. Well, I'll tell you what, if I can get married to them, I'll save them. No, you won't. They'll get worse, I promise you. You don't know! Yes, I do. I've been in ministry 20 years. I've never seen it. It's a struggle and it's a fight. Can they change? Yeah, they can change. But many times it changes the opposite direction. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 6.14, Do not be unequally yoked together. Yoked together with unbelievers. I'm not talking about friends with people. I'm talking about yoke. Don't you make a commitment with someone if you know they're crazy before you get married. Goes back to the question. Why do you want to marry? Oh, I can't live if living is without you. Yeah, I was off the note. You should have helped me. I can't hit that note. I can't hit that note. Uh-huh. So many times, and then if I, as a pastor, says, Hey, maybe you want to take some time. Well, I ain't taking no time. If you won't marry us, I'll go somewhere else. Because there's just certain things that you can see. I've been married, we've been married, Bridget and I have been married 20 years. There's just things you see. There's things that you should be praying about that this person is before you get married. So it's talking about not being unequally yoked. The vow to make our home his home. He must live in both of you. Because it will affect you. Vow number two is make Sunday His day. Ooh, this is a bad one. Sunday is His day. Listen, according to Genesis, God created. God created and completed creation in six days. What did He do on the seventh? What do you do on the seventh? Well, you're here. Just look around and see who's not. It amazes me. It always bothers me when I get up on Monday morning, the, the roads are just full of people because they've got all these commitments. They've got work. They've got all this stuff going on. And I get up on Sunday and I can run every red light and ain't a soul going to know it because they only put one police officer out because it's just us. And the only time we're really going to cut up is when we, get to the, when we get to the food place because the pastor's preached too long and we've got previous appointments afterwards and i got to get to the restaurant and they're not doing it right and then i got to act like a crazy person. Up in here, up in here. (laughs) Got to bring y'all in. I missed y'all, didn't I? So we get all crazy. And then we go Monday back to the rat race called life and we think life is just what it is. When if I believe, I believe if we would do what God says and if we would work Monday through Saturday or Monday through Friday and give God our best at what we do and do it as unto God and if we'll make Saturday a time where we rest and we reflect, thank God I had six days and God blessed me. But listen, if you've got to take seven, you're never going to get rich. Should, you got to hit me with something. Hey, let's go. Nehemiah 10.31 says, If the people of the land brought grain, this is Old Testament. For those of you that don't live according to Old Testament and New Testament, we'll get back to New Testament. But here's what the Old Testament said. If the people of the land brought grain to sell on the Sabbath day, we would not buy it from them on the Sabbath somebody invites you to go somewhere on the Sabbath day, say, no, I'm going to the house of worship. Why don't you go with me? But we will find any reason... Oh, I'm going to get emails on this one. I won't say it. It says we will not do anything on the Sabbath or on any holy day. And we would forgo the seventh year's product, products, produce, and the exacting of every day. We, We need to understand that we if we can't keep Sunday what it is, He's not going to show up on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday because if you can't keep the Sabbath holy, you're probably not keeping Monday holy either. Sunday was designed of rest, a time of rest. It was created that way. But many of us, we don't rest. This was the kind of vow that was said to make to conduct our business six days of work, seventh day of rest or worship. Resisting the temptation to do business is what the Old Testament was talking about in Nehemiah. Seriously, by resisting or ceasing business in favor of worship, there's two distinct statements that are made in your life. Here's number one. It means you're honoring God with the day as recognition that He gave and made all those days and gave your life. God gave you the life you have. God gave you the job you have. Number two, you trust that God will provide for you and your family on the sixth days, and on the seventh, you will give him the thanks that he deserves. Third vows, you will make not only this place his, Sunday a day that is his you will make your work His. you want your work to be blessed? A few months ago I taught on tithing and giving and I told you about how Malachi says, Will a man rob God? He says, Yes, in his tithe and offering. See, a lot of times we think as long as we pay our tithes, we're all good. But he says, Bring your tithe and offering. Bring your tithe and offering. And the only place in the Scripture ever that he ever challenges us is in giving. Why? Because he knows that's the hardest thing to get. Isn't it hard to give in church, but it's easy to drop 50 at the movies? Is it? Everybody awake? Jonathan, help me out here. Give me some, uh... I'm going to take a trip in the good old gospel ship. So unspiritual, so unscriptural. I'm going far beyond the sky. Oh, I'm going to shout and sing. While I'm bidding this world goodbye. That's good. Alright, so we got to make his work. Now listen what 1 Corinthians 10 says. All things are lawful for me. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. And all things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Everything in your life should edify Christ. If I go to your place of business and I say, Hey, is Brother Steve a Christian? They're going to say, You talking about Steve Boyer? Or are they going to say, Absolutely. I used to do that. I used to think that was funny. It's not funny anymore. I used to show up at people's business and I used to do it unannounced because if I announce it, you're going to start telling everybody about God the day before. And I'd show up and I'd see. Man, I remember going to a construction site one day and this guy was on fire. Oh, the Holy Ghost couldn't shake him enough during church. He couldn't shout. He couldn't scream enough. He couldn't join enough committees. But boy, I showed up at the construction yard and I thought, Hey, that ain't the Holy Ghost. He was slinging stuff cussing stuff and here's what I was trying to do brother I was going oh God please don't let him see me please don't let him see me please don't let me see oh God please don't let him see me and then he sees me I lost him for about three weeks at church I didn't tell him what I had seen but he knew you know a tree is known by the fruit it bears we can stand all day at any tree that you want to see say we got a fig tree it's the one Jesus cursed Say you got a fig tree and you just say, "Whoa, that's that's some pretty watermelons. That's the prettiest watermelons I've ever seen. And that's a fig tree. It's it's just, that's what it is. It's figs. There's no watermelons there. A watermelon will never produce on a fig tree. But I wonder how many people do that on Sunday. Oh, look at me. Peace, love, and long-suffering. Oh, look at me. But then you go to work and you put another tree on or you root yourself to something else, and you're crazy, short-tempered, not long-suffering, slinging stuff, provoking man to anger, which the Bible says do not do that. you got a different fruit. And then you wonder why you're not effective in the kingdom. It's because we've made a vow to God, and we must keep that vow outside of this building. All things are lawful for me, but not everything is helpful. All things are lawful to me, but not all things edify. Let no let no one seek his own, but each other, other's well-being. Therefore, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of who? To God. Give no offense either to the Jews or the Greeks or to the church of God. He didn't mention the Methodists there, did he? That's a joke a good joke. Just as I also please all men and all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be what? Saved. The same salvation that you received, you must find a way to present that to someone else. And God will give you those moments. People of God made some vows in their home, in their life, and in their work. Everything they did. Everything they did. They did it as unto the Lord. And that's what I want to end with. We must understand that God is in control. Last scripture I want to show you guys. Colossians 3, verse 23. Stand to your feet. I want to share this with you. Vows are important. Vows are so important. Colossians 3, 23 says this, And whatever you do, whatever you do, work, whatever you do, parenting, whatever you do, driving down the road, whatever you do, do it heartily. Not here. Do it heartily. As to the Lord and not to man. Do it unto the Lord. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ. I believe this whole service was centered around one thing today. Where are you? And are you keeping your commitment? It's not something that I have to know. It's not something the church has to know. But if God has called you, then the question that needs to be answered is, what has He called you to do? And where has He called you to do it? Now maybe He's calling you to the river. Maybe you say, this is my first time here, and uh, you know, I don't really like the preaching, but I like everything else, so I think I'm going to do ministry here. That's fine with me. But I know my calling. That's something I tell my staff periodically. And and this is what we have to do. We have to stay in our lane. You know what that means? If you can't sing, don't tell Jonathan how to sing. If you can't play the keyboard, don't tell him how to play the keyboard. Stay in your lane. It's not your calling. But it's easy to see the faults in others. It's not... Man, we're professionals at it. It's easy to see the specks in everybody's eye. It's easy. Sometimes people make it easy. Sometimes they make it harder. But it's easier for me to keep bringing out the speck than it is for me to deal with the plank. This is scriptural, by the way. If you, you say, where is he coming up with that? But picking out the speck in your brother's eye when you have a plank in your eye. The reason you're picking... It's because you can't see. And that was Saul's problem in the Bible. Saul was going around killing the people that he was supposed to be ministering to. God said, this ain't right. This is not what I called you to do. So what did he do? Blinded him. Knocked him off his horse and blinded him. Blinded him physically. Why? So he could see spiritually. Maybe God has arrested you Physically, maybe, maybe you're stopped physically. Maybe you just can't find any happiness in what you're doing. Maybe, have you ever thought that God has stopped you so that you can put your eyes on Him and not everything else? I believe that's what God's doing today. I believe God is trying to get His children's attention. I believe that sometimes He goes, Hey, up here. He does that to me all the time. You remember when Simon Peter was going to be tempted? When Jesus cried out to him? His name had already been changed to Peter. But he said, Simon! Simon! He said his name twice, like some of us have to say our kids' names twice. Sometimes we use the middle name. You ever have to say your kids' name twice? Yeah, Jesus was trying to make an address. He was trying to tell him, Simon! Simon! What? What? Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail you. Oh, Jesus, I got that covered. I'll go to death. I'll go to prison for you. He said, no, you won't. Before the rooster crows three times, you'll deny me thrice. You see, sometimes we think, oh, man, we are great men and women of faith. We know all the scriptures to say. We know how to walk. And God is saying... Simon! Michael, girl! Don't go to sleep on me, Michael. My girl! You notice Peter didn't say, Why didn't you call me Peter? My name used to be Simon. I'm Peter now. And upon this name, I'll build my church. He said, Because that's not who you are right now. You're acting like Simon. This is a better sermon than the one I just finished. He said, the enemy is the desire to sift you as wheat. See, God knows all about you. He's already said that. What started happening? I believe Simon, or Peter, could have said, oh no, God, really? Whoa, wait, hey, whoa! I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. He didn't do that, though. He got arrogant in his relationship with God. Why? Because He was standing right there. Jesus was standing right there. He had seen all the great things. And as long as I'm in His company, everything's going to be fine. But when Jesus was separated, Jesus was pulled out of the equation, they started saying, Hey! Hey! I know you. Aren't you that disciple? No! started denying. Can you do that? Do it. Make a chicken sound, Michael. Make a chicken sound. Do it. Oh, that's that's like a rooster. That's a that's a crow. All right, give me a give me a good old crow. Yeah, yeah. He says, "Hey, aren't you one of those disciples?" He said, "No, no, that's not me." Do it. Go.
1: And he heard it.
0: And he heard it. And he said, "Oh, the sick chicken." God told me about the sick chicken. And he ignored it. Listen to me. He ignored the first call. Another came. You see how God, God is giving you multiple chances. Another person comes and says, Hey, aren't you one of those Christ followers? No, I'm not. That was more like a seagull. That's good. You got... He heard it again. He heard it He heard it twice, and and he's going, oh, well, that's probably coincidence because there's chickens all around me. But then finally somebody came in point blank, looked him in the eye. Read your word. Says, you're a Christ follower. And all of a sudden, he said, I do not know the man. We need to have a class on the sounds of the Bible. Can anybody else make a chicken noise over here? Anybody help me out? Go for it, Brother Johnny. All right. Okay, well, anyway, here's what happened. After that third time, it was refreshed in his spirit what God said to him or what Jesus said to him. He said, you will deny me three times. You see, the word Simon in the Scripture means humanity. Jesus was addressing His humanity. But Peter, He said, upon this statement, upon the rock you made, I will call you Peter. And upon this, I will build my church." God was saying, Jesus was saying, I can't build my church on that, but I've got to address your humanity first. And God's wanting to address your humanity this morning so that He can change who you are. You are a son and a daughter of the righteous, a king of glory. You are sons and daughters of a king. And He calls you His son and He calls you a friend. And right then Peter knew and he said, the Bible says, he went out and he wept bitterly. God! Pray, break us down and let us weep bitterly until we humble ourselves. Father, Father, You have spoken to us through Your Word, through tongues and interpretation, through our worship. Everything today has been geared around this one statement. Are we keeping our commitment? Father, don't let us have to get to the point to where we are so engulfed in ourselves to where we are broken and have to weep bitterly. Father, as David prayed, search us, O God, and see if there be any impurities in us. father in this house every person under the sound of my voice every person that is breathing your air has a calling every person it doesn't matter age it doesn't matter gender social status none of that lord you're not looking at any of that you're looking at it as we are your children fearfully and wonderfully made. And we are called to do a divine task that no one else can do like us. That's why you made us the way we are. Father, I've tried to be like other preachers and I've tried to conduct myself differently, but God, I'm the best me that has ever been creative Created. Father, let each of us be the best, us that we can be. To stop trying to be something we were never created to be, but to be what you've called us to be. Father, I pray that we are refreshed today in our vow, in our commitment with you. First and foremost, in our salvation, nothing else matters if we're not saved by grace through faith. Nothing else matters. God, if we are divinely healed, we can still go to hell healed. But we must be saved. So Father, deal with those who may be living in sin. As James says, what is wrong to a man is sin to that man. Whatever's going on that's wrong, Lord, let them correct that right now. Church, will you just search your heart for a moment and ask the Creator of the universe who is here. He's as close to you as the very breath you breathe. Say, search me, O God and see if there's anything there. And here's what I want you to do. If He reveals something to you, ask Him right now to forgive you of that. And the Bible says He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. Father, today we receive Your Son Jesus as our Lord, as our Savior, but most of all, as our soon coming King. Father, today in this room there are many, many different callings And Father, once we find that calling, once we hear Your voice, Lord, there's not a devil that can stop it unless we allow it. Father, I pray today over Your church, give each person in here boldness, clarity, and wisdom. Because Father, if they have boldness, if they have clarity and they have wisdom, they can overcome any trial in their life. And there will be trials. You said, count it all joy when we go through those various trials and tribulations for then our faith is perfect, perfected. Father, faith is believing things that we cannot see. And it's speaking also things that are not as though they were. So Father, let the faith of your people come back. Let us have that blessed hope and understand that you have a future. Not to harm us, but to love us. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise in Jesus' name. You love the Lord? Give Him praise this morning.